Happy Tuesday, everyone. Welcome back to Unbothered. Your host, Josh, here. Today, I'm going to be covering, I think, the Monday Night Football game we watched. Do you call that a game? Do you call that football? What was that? Bears, Vikings, then NFL Top 10. Top 10 teams in the NFL post-Thanksgiving, Week 12, heading into December, where you have to be playing your best football. Two teams I'm skeptical about did not make my top 10. I'm the fringe there. I will discuss those as well as my top 10. And then college football. Yesterday I opened the show with college football. Today I'm going to open with NFL Bingo to college football. Harbaugh talked about the Ohio State-Michigan rivalry. And then tonight, the second-to-last edition, the penultimate edition of the college football playoff rankings come out tonight. And honestly, I don't quite get the hate Florida State is getting. React to that. But let's start with yesterday's awful Monday night game between the Bears and the Vikings. It was downright bad. Uh, I thought this game was going to have at least a little bit more appeal, oomph, something to it to make me want to watch it. But this was the worst primetime game I have watched all season long. Usually there's a list in my mind of bad games. This this was bad stuff right here. This was oof. You know it's bad when Bears win 12 to 10, all 12 points via field goals, and every team in the NFL up to this point has lost a game when they didn't score a touchdown. I believe they were 0 29. The Bears are the only team this year to win a game and not have scored a touchdown. That's how bad it is. And it's even made worse when you know that Josh Dobbs threw four interceptions and you are not able to score a touchdown on any of a short field position. At one point in the game, I believe it was the third quarter, maybe the fourth, Justin Fields' average throw downfield was .8 yards, 0.8. So many wide receiver screens last night. So many screens. Uh, I don't know who to talk about first. I guess I'll talk about the Bears, the team that won, that are 12, that won 12 to 10, are now 4 and 8. And one of their draft picks looks good via Carolina, their own, inching out of a top five there. What did I see? What did I learn from the Bears? I learned a lot. Uh, this to me was the Bears season summed up into one game. I learned one thing about. The Bears first. Short passing game worked. That's the one positive you can take away. The short passing game with Justin Fields worked when he had to throw the ball behind the line, not downfield. Uh, great uh, Luke Getzey, offensive coordinator, obviously does not trust him to throw the ball. So the short passing game was the route, the way to go. What else? Justin Fields is not the guy. Uh Obviously, if your offensive coordinator coach don't trust you to throw down the field, that's not a good sign. And when you have opportunity, I don't think he can consistently make those throws. Yesterday, QBR of 42, pass rating of 87, not great. 217 yards, average uh, completion there of 5.9 yards. The other problem is two fumbles last night. Not good. I believe in 35 games he's played, yes, 35 fumbles. He's turnover prone. Uh, you don't want that in your franchise guy. Justin Fields is not a franchise quarterback. This is his last year on the Chicago Bears. The Chicago Bears 
This offseason in the NFL draft, come April, we'll be drafting one Drake May or one Caleb Williams, please. Justin Fields will no longer be the quarterback. That's what I learned. What else did I learn? Outside of Justin Fields, like Josh Allen, this team and the Bills have no run game. Uh, Khalil Herbert wasn't that effective last night. Neither was Rashawn Johnson, 10 carries, 35 yards. Justin Fields was their biggest weapon on the ground, the 12 carries, 59 yards, which is addition to the wide receiver screens they were calling all night. The rest were designed QB runs and draws. And again, he had two fumbles. But what I do like, I think they have decent weapons. I think DJ Moore is a legit wide receiver one with a good quarterback, could blossom in the league. I think Cole Komet, good tight end. I think they have a decent offensive line. Don't want to say good or great. Obviously, it's not terrible, but decent. And they got a great cover guy in, uh, I think, Jalen Johnson. So there are pieces there in this team to build around. However, the quarterback and I think the coaching staff, to me, have got to go. you got to do a fire sale. Get those guys out of there. Get Eberflus out and then get Justin Fields out. Draft a quarterback. Uh, that's the way to go. That was my big takeaway. The other takeaway was that Josh Dobbs matched Justin Fields. So I believe Justin Fields can be a good backup quarterback. And Josh Dobbs proved why he is a backup quarterback with four interceptions. The man was terrible last night. Made ill-advised throws, bad throws, turned the ball over. He was not sharp at all last night. Games like this showed why he's a backup. Now, if you want to say his insanity run is over, the past or not, you know, you know, get ready to learn Martian. <laughs> Whatever you want to say. I'm not going to hate on Josh Dobbs, but it was not a great performance at all uh, from him last night. It was... The worst game he's played last two games. A lot of interceptions. You would think that if your defense, you know, holds, um, you know, 120 minutes NFL time worth of one touchdown uh, in two games, you would win such games. And, in fact, they could not win either game allowing one touchdown in 120 minutes. Uh, why? Because Josh Dobbs is a turnover kind of guy. That is what he is. Turnovers kill, especially when you account for all of them. Uh, that's not what you want. And also, they could not get a run game going and didn't seem committed to it. They had the same yards per rush as the Bears. Bears at 4.2, Vikings 4.3. However, Bears stayed somewhat consistent with it and it had 28 attempts for 118 yards. Vikings said, let's throw it with Josh Dobbs. So they had 17 carries for 73 yards when I thought they could run the ball more because, again, Josh Dobbs had four interceptions. That's how you lose the time of possession uh, battle. Uh, the field position battle is by having those type of turnovers. Uh, cutting drive shorts like that, hurting your defense, and the defense playing well. Everybody went for Brian Flores for, you know, the call at the end there. But how about you get a first down before even punting the ball back? And you win the game. In fact, the Bears stop them. Minnesota punts the ball instead of kicking a field goal. Weird third down call uh, instead of, you know, running the ball. They don't get it. 
uh, Vikings questionable decisions. People were on Kevin O'Connell for Coach of the Year. That has extremely quieted down. Uh, does not deserve that award at all. Uh, this team, again, Josh Dobbs, not that guy. Uh, just too, too, a rough watch last night. That's, that's all I've got to say. That's, this is one I want to bury uh, in the memory banks and hope to not think about that Monday night football game. But Bears prevailed 12 to 10. Uh, cover is the underdog. So now I present to you my top 10 teams in the NFL. Now, before I do, there are two teams that were close to making the top 10. I have a debate there with 9 and 10 or putting those two in or excluding ones. I just couldn't do it, uh, mainly because I want to see more from them. I don't want to overreact and put them in. One was the Denver Broncos. Now, I have liked what the Broncos have done. They have won uh, five in a row. Uh, very uh you know, good team that is now routing into their own. However, there's a few teams on their schedule coming up that are like, hey, before I just rush them into the top 10 because of recency bias, I want to see how they perform against these teams at Houston, at LA, at Detroit, a tough three-game road stretch. I want to see how your team responds to the five-game win streak, how Russ is playing uh, offensively. All three of these teams are really good. Test the defense out again. I'm excited to see that. Again, there's some hesitation there putting them in. The other one was Buffalo. I thought Buffalo easily, as I talked about yesterday, could have won the game, especially if, you know, don't like playing the blame game, but if a rough color, horse collar on Josh Allen, I mean, come on, or some pass interferences on Stephon Diggs, but that's neither here nor there. But same thing as the Broncos. Upcoming slate is tough at Chiefs against the Cowboys. Tough schedule. Their offense has looked really good since firing Ken Dorsey, 30 points in back-to-back games. Defense fell apart against the Eagles. But I want to see this team again. Hey, can they beat one of those two teams? Because, hey, if they go 6-8, and eight, they're not making the playoffs. So those were the two teams, 11 and 12, really on the outside vying for spots 9 and 10. So who did end up making the list? Well, number 10, the Cleveland Browns. Cleveland Browns suffered the loss to the Denver Broncos. Uh, Again, they have a tremendous defense, and they got served at L this weekend. But I'm not entirely out on them, again, because their defense is so good. And they can still score and run the ball. Uh, Again, there's some comparable teams around them. They're at 7-4. Point differential, plus 30. I like teams that score more. Then they get scored on. When you look at teams around them, Seahawks, comparable team, 6-5, and five, minus 20. Uh, Indianapolis, 6-5, and five, only plus 1. Denver, 6-5, and five, minus 34. Of course, that's a balloon from the 70-point game against the Dolphins earlier in the season. So who's it? Number 9. Well, that is the Pittsburgh Steelers. So Pittsburgh Steelers, one of those comparable teams. Again, their point differential is minus 23 for being 7-4. and four. I think their defense is really good. I think they have the um, best uh, defensive player right now in T.J. Watt. He's been sensational. And they split the two games uh, this season with the Browns. They're 1-1 one one 
uh, against the Browns this season. So that makes it tough. However, the Steelers just fired Matt Canada, who I thought was not a great offensive coordinator. What did they do in their first game without Matt Canada? Uh, they had their first 400 game, 400 yard offensive game, uh, since in two years. Again, Matt Canada never had one of those. So offense looks somewhat better. That's a plus. Number eight. The Jacksonville Jaguars, they sit here at 8-3. and three. Again, I'm impressed with the win over Houston. Uh, Trevor Lawrence playing really good. However, I'm not fully sold on Trevor Lawrence and the Jags yet. Yes, they're really good, but to me, we talked about the Cowboys and how they haven't beaten good teams. Well, look at the Jags. Yes, they beat uh, the Texans yesterday, but they split with Texas. They got smoked. They just beat the Bills in London. I believe that game's played in Buffalo. They don't win that game. They lose to the Chiefs. They lose to good teams. They play the Bengals this week. Losing record, no Joe Burrow. Uh, Only team left on their schedule with a winning record is the Ravens and Browns. Especially the Ravens. I'll be interesting to see how that game plays. Don't think Trevor Lawrence can outplay great quarterbacks. Just don't. I have him there at number eight. A team I think can score a lot on Buffalo, Miami Dolphins, who are still the number one offense in the NFL. Uh, 430 yards per game, of course, that has dwindled since the 500 mark. And the 70-point game mark, because why? Because they are not even first in points anymore. Cowboys are first in points, however, their offense is still really good. Led by Tua, Tyreek Hill, who is in the MVP conversation, is on, still on pace for 2,000 yards. Uh, this offense is something... Uh, the reason I don't have them higher on my list is because they did lose Jalen Phillips. I was going to put them um, at six, but the loss to Jalen Phillips, their best edge rusher, definitely hurts them to a torn Achilles in the long run. Their defense has looked good since fully healthy with them up front. Uh, him and Bradley Chubb, Xavier Howard, and Jalen Ramsey on the back end. Loss to Jalen Phillips, I think, hurts them. So who's at six? The Detroit Lions. Now, again, I am objective. I am. I've had the Lions anywhere from, you know, one to four on this list this year, one to five, because I think they're a good team. They have the second-best offense in terms of defensive total yards. They're 10th, top 10 uh, yardage allowed defense. However, they've been breaking a lot more in the red zone. At first, they were able to really – Stop you in the red zone now. They're letting touchdowns happen against the Bears and Packers back-to-back. And Jared Goff has had a ton of turnovers the past two weeks. You know, you cover over a problem with a Band-Aid against the Bears because you beat them. Rears its ugly head again against the Packers, and it's like, okay, it's an issue. And the reason I dropped them, too, is because teams above them play these teams like the Packers, divisional game, on Thanksgiving, at home. What happens? The Lions lose, get embarrassed. Well, the other teams, Dallas, same situation. What happens? They embarrass the commanders, absolutely humiliate them by eating Thanksgiving during the fourth quarter. And 49ers, uh, yeah, they handle business and beat the Seahawks. So uh, that hurts the perception there as well. Have to be objective. Can't keep the Lions there any higher than six. Have to rebound uh, to prove they're not fraudulent. Meters ticking close. Number five, Dallas Cowboys. Uh, This is a really good team. Top five or top ten offense and top ten defense, much like the Lions. Their offense 
is good, number one, in points uh, scored per game. They have the number one offense, and they have the number two, I mean, number four scoring defense. Really good there in terms of defense. Playmakers all over the field. Deron Bland just broke the pick six record. Congratulations to him. That was a sensational play, sensational call by Jim Nance. Great fun to watch. Uh, Dallas is a really good team. Number four, Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, Chiefs are very forward, deservingly. They finally score some second-half points, get 30. Good for them. Uh, moving up the offensive ranks slowly but surely, still outside of the top five, but in the top ten. Defense has been really good this year, really solid. Rasheed Rice is finding his own. I think he's a really good receiver and can be the number two weapon on the team behind Travis Kelsey as he's slowly forming into that role as Kadarius Toney. Has issues with drops. Uh, Watson has issues with drops. And MBS has issues with drops. Rasheed Rice can be the constant there. Number three, the San Francisco 49ers. Uh, this roster, again, stars everywhere. They're number third in total offense. They're five in total defense. Uh, they are number one in scoring defense. So this defense is elite. This offense is elite. Only questions I have is secondary now because Hufanga is injured. Only reason why in quarterback, don't have Brock Purdy in my top 10. I just don't. He has his, again, weapons of mass destruction around him and Christian McCaffrey, uh, George Kittle, Devo Samuel, Brandon Ayuk. I mean, no team has better weapons, a left tackle like Trent Williams. So this team is stacked from top to bottom. Um, however, San Francisco, big game this week against the Eagles. I can really prove a lot, but I have San Francisco there at three. Number two, Baltimore. A team kind of built similar to San Francisco, but again, flipped the stars on offense for greater quarterback play. Baltimore Ravens, nine and three. Uh, best team in the AFC, 27 points per game. Uh, you take a look at Baltimore losing. Mark Andrews turned out to be a big loss, security blanket there. I believe he will come back come postseason. But you have young guys, Rashad Bateman, Zay Flowers, the mentor, and Odell. But you have Lamar just cooking, playing great this year, holding this team at bay, and is just truly a weapon. And their defense is great, number two in uh, yards allowed uh, per game. And then number two in points, literally 0.1 points uh, less per game than San Francisco. So great defense. Great offense, I have them at two. But who's number one? Deservedly so, the, the Philadelphia Eagles. I mean, come on. Uh, top 10 offensive team, and again, defensively, uh, middle of the pack. This is the one weird one where last year they were really good. Good, uh, you know, rushing defense it slipped the past two weeks. Um, but I believe this team is led by the MVP favorite in Jalen Hurts. Uh, he can run. He can throw. He's calm, cool, under pressure. Great offensive line. Weapons on the outside, A.J. Brown, Devontae Smith, both who can beat you over the top. Great route runners. Uh, heavy dose of running the football. They have an identity. Uh, Nick Sirianni and the coach and the leadership, everything trickles down. Again, similar to my Michigan Wolverines in college, they are just built to win. Great team. That's why I have them at one. So there you have it. Those are my top 10 NFL teams 
post week 12. Now let's get to some college. So still want to talk about the game uh, from Saturday, Michigan-Ohio State. Great game. So Jim Harbaugh back on the sidelines, back doing his interviews. And Jim Harbaugh had something to say on the Michigan-Ohio State rivalry. He said, and I quote, I think that it's very manufactured for a TV show that people want to watch and see it's hyped up to no wins. I agree with them. Uh, I agree that this game is hyped up, but the hatred there, I really don't believe there's a hate among these players. There is, you know, the pre-show for the game, they're talking about the intense hatred. And when I, when these players played, there was a respect there. And I don't think it's there right now. I think there's a respect. I don't think there's a hatred. I really believe it is media propaganda and the bitterness. Now, again, I have quite a few Ohio State fans. I would say I have more close Ohio State fan friends than Michigan fans, you know, outside of my family and friends. But I don't hate any of them or their takes on football or anything like that, or on that game, on the day itself, you know, when we play and they post their stuff and I post mine, there's no, there's no hate there, there's a respect, it's, you know, the past three years, of course, Michigan's won, and there is a respect there, it's like, hey, you beat us, now go in the chip, I would like Michigan to actually go do that, but I would say that this hatred is media-driven and propelled to really sell this game, uh, and I don't think that it needs that level to sell it. So in that way, I do agree with, uh, with Jim Harbaugh in saying that, Hey, this really is TV manufactured. I don't believe there's this hate between Jim Harbaugh and Ryan day. I don't think there's a great deal of respect there, honestly, after a couple of their press conferences of a week leading up, but I don't think there's any, there's hate to it. And again, I still can't get over that Michigan one. That was, that's phenomenal stuff. But tonight, again, is the penultimate college football playoff rankings. The final, of course, will be the Sunday selection day show, all that good stuff. But this tonight we have the rankings. Now, to me, there's really no debate, as I said yesterday, uh, with the top four. Um, it's Georgia, Michigan, Washington, Florida State. Now, quite a few people in the media uh, driven that I have respect for the Kirk Herbstreets, the Joel Klatz, you know, college football analysts are trying to diminish Florida State because of a loss to Jordan Travis and that they shouldn't be ranked. And some people I won't name uh, because it's just outlandish foolishness that Florida State should be dropped from like the top 10 altogether. I don't believe that at all. Uh, and again, it's the same thing I said about Michigan. If you don't want Michigan to be in the playoff, hope and root for a team that will beat them, such as Ohio State. And if it doesn't happen, oh, well, too bad, except the facts. And it's same with Florida State. And I'm kind of rooting for Florida State because of this narrative now against them. You, you know, you look at their resume, it's, hey, they beat LSU. Open in the season. Everybody loves Jaden Daniels. 
and how good he is. Well, guess what? In that opening game, Jordan Travis outplayed Jaden Daniels, was great in that game, neutral site. Then what do they do? They beat Clemson, which is a ranked win. Uh, they beat Duke, no longer a ranked win, but beat them. And then Jordan Travis gets injured against North Alabama. They're down 13-0. And the backup in three quarters scores 58 points. Looks good in three quarters. Then last week, tough test, primetime game in the swamp. Tough environment to play. Uh, they're down 12-0 to in the second quarter with 26 seconds left. What happens? Uh, they score a touchdown. Uh, he's opening the third quarter with a touchdown, go on to win 24-15. So it's a good win. 24-15, guess what? With a backup quarterback, beat Florida, good team. To me, that's comparable. Not as comparable because Florida's not as good as Penn State. But Michigan going into Penn State, uh, no Jim Harbaugh, and winning 24-15, that's a good win. Now they play Louisville, 10-2 and team. Now, if a backup quarterback can beat Louisville in the ACC championship game and you go 13-0, there's no doubt because then you'd have a ranked win against Louisville, LSU, and Clemson, three ranked teams, and you did beat Duke at the time, which was ranked. So you have some good wins on the schedule. You went 13-0. There's no way, I'm sorry, that a one-loss Texas, Alabama, Ohio State, Oregon get ranked over Florida State. Now, a lot of people talking about Oregon. Oh, they should move ahead of Florida State in this rankings. And I totally disagree because they beat uh, Oregon State, just did that. They beat Utah. Again, who else have they beat that's ranked? Colorado absolutely fell off a cliff, and USC wasn't that good, and they only won by nine. So outside of those two wins, and they lost to Washington, it's they don't deserve that spot. I don't get the... Florida State hate, it's like, hey, if they lose this game against Louisville, yeah, I don't think they should be in the playoff. Obviously, they're not one of the four best teams. If they have a loss, then I can compare them to Oregon, to Ohio State, to Texas, to Bama. But right now, they're 12-0. and They finished regular season undefeated. So I am not here um, for that at all. Um I think Florida State deserved to get it. Now, there is a lot of chaos of what can happen this weekend. Now, if all the favorites win, if Georgia wins, Florida State wins, Michigan wins, Texas, Oregon wins, those are the favorites. You have the playoff of Georgia, Michigan, Florida State, Oregon. There's no debate of Texas getting in a Florida State or Oregon passing Florida State. It's, hey, Florida State's three, Michigan two, Georgia one, Oregon four. Now, that's the most likely based on the odds. Now you have the chalk, which Washington would be there. Again, not Oregon. So you have that. And then you have people thinking, what if Alabama wins? And, you know, everybody gets upset, probably minus Michigan, because the odds are just crazy enough. Um, you know, if that were to happen, what happens? Ohio State could get them a playoff. You'll have Michigan. Oregon, you're going to have the SEC champ in Alabama. Then you have a debate of Ohio State and Georgia getting in. It's unlikely, but there is so much chaos that could happen. Again, I think if any of the teams, you know, win, you're going to have, you're going to have one Power 5 school out. You're going to have a Texas out, um, you know, if they lose. 
um, or even if they win and the rest of the favorites win. So that's why they're really setting up a lot of chaos. The first, uh, you know, unfolding of this piece is Friday night, Oregon-Washington. All eyes on that game, primetime game. I think it's going to be sensational. Um, make, I'm going to make my picks Friday, but early prediction. I like Oregon in that game. I just do, but I do think there's going to be some chaos. Now, the other question outside of the, I think, Florida State, you know, thing that I've been reading is where is Ohio State going to land? Now, I asked that question yesterday. I have them at six. I think I agree with the AP poll. I think an argument could be made to seven, uh, six or seven Texas ahead of them. Um, some people are saying as low as five. Like, you could put them at five right on the cusp there. I don't know if I could have Ohio State five because Oregon is like, much more dominant uh, than Ohio State. And if you put Ohio State at five, it's like, you know, do they get in? It's It would be weird to have Oregon below them. And if Oregon meets Washington, then they jump them. Um, but it's like, hey, whatever you do, you committee. Um, but I think or- Ohio State behind Oregon or Texas will be fine. I think they are better than Bama. Uh, but it's going to be interesting to see the committee there. And one other thing I just want to point out. Back to Florida State, I'm sorry if this rant has gone on too long for you. But, you know, we want to talk about backup quarterbacks. And there was this time, I believe it was, oh, yeah, it was, the inception of the college football playoff. Does anybody remember, uh, you know, shared the Big 12 title between TCU and Baylor? And do you remember that they didn't get in, but Ohio State got in. And guess what? They got in with a third-string quarterback. It wasn't their starter in JT Barrett or their backup in Dwayne Haskins. Those two guys got hurt. So who led them to the college football national championship and won it? Their third-string, Cardell Jones. So if you know you all want to hate on Florida State now and say, oh, Rhoda Baker and this team can't do it, but you gave Ohio State that benefit of a doubt, they could easily win it again I love my Michigan team, but if Michigan were to play Florida State, they would still have to play their best. Why? Because I thought Michigan was walking into an easy game against TCU last year, and that wasn't the case. You can't underestimate your opponent, the backup quarterback. Obviously, you can't underestimate you know, Michigan's offensive coordinator, interim head coach for a few games this year, Sharon Moore. There's just things you can't underestimate, and I think people are underestimating this, uh, this Florida State team. There you have it. This has been Unbothered. Uh, looking forward to the rankings tonight. We'll react accordingly so. Hope you have a great rest of your day. I'll talk to you guys later. Bye, everybody.